This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show, because guess what? It's Friday. It's actually also very good to be back. We've been away for a week or so. Uh, and of course, I am Stamford Chidge. And joining me is the legend, the no no lesser word than the legend that is Jonathan Kidd. Oh, how nice of you, Chidge. Thanks very much. Lovely to be on the show. Oh, great. Good. There's a game this weekend, isn't yeah, there? I know. Who knew? Who knew? Oh. Little old matter of an FA Cup, F Football Association Challenge Cup. Can't remember what round we're in now. Round four. There you do, go. Do, 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 do. For the are, group. You, are you excited? Yeah, uh, always for the FA Cup. Yeah. Always. You feeling always. a small boy again? Oh, uh, yeah. uh, pardon? Are you, are you feeling like a small boy again? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> for the, you know, for the hard of thinking. Oh. Uh. Good. Yeah. I'm very. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, mm, uh, hello. <laughs> Who have we got on the show tonight? J.K. <laughs> oh, oh, I have you know, two completely phenomenally excellent, excellent uh, uh, writers and uh, uh, just general, you know, marvelous experts on Chelsea Football Club. Um, uh, the brilliant Mark Meehan, who I had the pleasure of doing the the 50 Years of Chelsea show on Monday, which was. Uh, Seems to gets longer and longer, but more and more informative and interesting and fun. Uh, and of course, the the, the superb um, journalist from Football London, Adam Newson. Yes, indeed. Good to see you, Mark. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, good people in Mixler. Really looking forward to you tomorrow. The Brian Basson, Nick Crittenden, David Lee, Scott Sinclair derby. Mm, Can't wait. 6,000 Argyle fans. It's going to be brilliant. I know. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And Adam, always lovely to see you, mate. Um, Yeah, so FA Cup match for you tomorrow. I mean, you know, they they don't lose their luster, do they, really? I mean, no, I guess. I mean, Plymouth at home seems a pretty routine match for Chelsea, but it'll be nice just to watch some football again after. Yeah. Two weeks off. I know we're all saying we're knackered. You know, there's too many games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We have a couple of weeks off, and you're like, oh, we need some. We need some games again now. 
Yeah, definitely. So. It's funny, isn't it, actually? Because, you know, I, I, your real your reaction or re- reply then was quite interesting. And I, and I, I wondered if it's something about, uh, you know, basically me, Mark and JK are all old gits. So I, I'm far more excited about playing Plymouth Argyle <laughs> than I would be if it was Man United or... You know, whoever from Me yeah, because we you, you might know, possibly I, lose with that. We're playing them, whereas against Plymouth Argyle, the that's not why, JK. Trust me, that is not why. We'll win. That's why I'm very pleased to go. I feel that if this was a way, I'd be a lot more excited. I just feel I we've know, had yeah. we've had football league club at home in FA Cup early rounds for the last five six mm. seasons. But hey, if it was a way, I would be absolutely buzzing. I agree so with that. Be a nice, a good trip. Yeah, away, away, away to lower league things is the absolute bollocks as far as I'm concerned. And it's, you're right; it's, it's it's a shame that we've not managed that recently. Anyway, let's not hang about because, of course, uh, I've been fanning about and we're a bit late tonight. But uh, uh, yeah, actually, just to tell you, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk to Adam really about what happened in the presser uh, in a minute in part for part one. Um, sadly, uh, you know, we we couldn't we couldn't get a, a Plymouth Argyle fan on for the opposition view. I tried and tried and tried and tried. But I'm afraid they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't. Well, I just couldn't get hold of anybody, basically. But um, there is a bit of stuff that we can talk about in part two, generally about Plymouth and stuff like that. And then we'll we'll do our usual preview of the match tomorrow in part three. But there you go. So Adam, uh, good to be back. Were you, were you? I mean, you're not let. You're not allowed back in Cobham, yeah? Are you? So it's still all done on Zoom, isn't it? Yeah, still done on Zoom. I think it is still for the foreseeable at the moment. I've not heard anything different. I mean, the Club World Cup stuff, so there's going to be a lot in person, but um, for sort of domestic matches, it still looks like it's all over Zoom. Yeah, okay. So, uh, but you were you were in attendance because I saw your live yep. blog. Um, injuries, uh, not really any surprising news that Reese James is still not fit. I, I wasn't surprised by that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either, to be honest. There's no point risking him, no. is there, or forcing him back too quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody knew about Rumbert Loftus Cheek though, which was a surprise. Oh, contrary, I tweeted it out on. Oh, uh... I'm so sorry, so sorry. I'm not on Twitter twenty four seven. What can I say? I can't remember <laughs> if it was last night or the night before. One of them. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Thursday night actually. I saw I it. it out. Okay. Thank you, thank God, thank God, one of us did. Thank you for saving face. Someone's got the notifications on. Thank you, JK. Yeah, I turned um... those off years ago, mate. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, Ruben, from what I've told, is just got a slight issue. Um, it's nothing to be concerned about um, overly. It's just something like he's nursing. And obviously, given his history with, with injury, it's better just to, to not take any chances with Ruben and let him get back to full fitness uh, at his pace. Amongst that um, uh, news about him, I read that he earns 150000 a week. Is that um, is that false to you? I don't, I don't know if that is correct but i also only really learned this this week um we're looking up whilst researching another article and i sort of stumbled across that which it's a big contract to be on um that he was actually handed during his recovery from his achilles injury so it was a show of faith from chelsea i think to say we've seen the development you've made under under mauricio sari we believe you'll come back from this injury stronger than ever um whether or not that's happened is a is another point of debate, I guess. Yes, moot moot point. Whether it's whether it's a burden round now round his neck. Yeah, I'd find it a real burden to be paid 150 grand a week. I have to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice work if you can get it. Indeed. Um, the other thing that came out, which is again not really a surprise, Adam. Um, but actually, there's an interesting kind of uh, 
related point, really. I mean, Silva and uh, Pulisic haven't had a break like the rest of the players um, because they were on duty for Brazil and the United States, or the USMNT, as they like to call it over there. Um, So no surprise there. They weren't in training, that I do know. But Pulisic had to play in minus 16 (laughs) uh, against Honduras. Do you know where they were playing? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, it gets fecking cold up there. And he got told off for wearing um, uh, rather elegant black underwear. Well, that's just... I mean, look, listen... Two Honduras players had to come off at halftime because they had hypothermia. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. My wife went to Minnesota once on business. Isn't isn't it... It's Minneapolis I'm thinking of, isn't it, where Prince was, but... It's all the same kind of ballpark, but she said it's. It, she she went and basically in winter, the only way you can get around or through you know cross buildings, you have to go through kind of little uh, <coughs> tunnel type things. And she, being British, she said, "I'm not having any of that." And of course, she smokes like a chimney. My wife, so she was going out for a fag, and the and the the guy on the hotel door said, "You really don't want to be doing that," you know. And she she went out for about a minute and came back in pretty pronto. It gets very cold. Why the hell were they playing a football match in minus 16? Buggins well, to... sorry, I, I don't have the definitive answer to that, but I did read, and Tuckle mentioned this, that it might have been as a response to playing in very hot temperatures in Honduras and America, and the US needed a win, so they kind of set it up so they can achieve that. Um, yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Whether or not you do that and then feel somewhat remorseful at the fact that two of your opponents have got hypothermia, I'm not sure. Um, You'd like to think they feel a bit remorseful about that. But yeah, it's completely mad that you would even entertain that idea. It's absolutely crazy, but there you go. Anyway, weird diversion, but there we go. Um, Now, uh, we've got, got you know, as we said at the beginning, we've got Plymouth Argyle tomorrow. They're in League One. They're 40-odd places below us. This should be a walk in the park, but... I don't know about you, Adam, but I know from talking to the boys previously, Bradford is always indelibly inked in my brain about never to take these matches too lightly. Um, and Tuchel, talk, I mean, I, I love Tuchel's attitude in the press. He, I, he never puts a foot wrong in these presses, as far as I'm concerned. I absolutely love what he has to say. Um, but uh, I wonder if there's, I mean, you know, you said in your build-up to, to the press that you thought that there may be some development uh, squad players getting a bit of an outing tomorrow. But yeah, he was saying he'd play a strong team. I'm curious as to know what he, he really means by a strong team for a match against Plymouth Argyle. What what do you think? Well, the development squad are playing now against Arsenal and all the lads who trained um, on Wednesday and Thursday with the first team are playing in that development squad game. They so are playing. They, are, they playing. are playing. Bale's playing. Charlie Webster... Javier Simons and uh, Lewis Hall is playing too. So I'm pretty sure that none of them are going to feature tomorrow and a lunchtime kickoff. So yes, it will be the first team squad. It will be a very strong side, I'm sure. Tuchel will probably use it as a way of getting some sort of rhythm back into the players after their best part of two weeks off um, so that they can go to to Abu Dhabi for the Club World Cup and and be ready to go um, in the semi-final against whoever we end up playing. So we're likely to see a rather strong team, I reckon, because I thought, like you, that um, Hall, Vale, Simons, Sharman, Lowe and Webster, because they'd all trained with the first team, would therefore be in the side. But if they're playing tonight, I, I thought... suppose he might put one on the bench, I suppose, and could bring them on. I suppose there's always that possibility, couldn't yeah. he? Yeah, I thought Hall would play. Yeah, I thought it might be similar to Chesterfield, but I thought the other lads would be on the bench. So, yeah, Adam, that's really surprising. They're all playing tonight. Yeah. Mm. I think the, the Dev squad are in a bit of a tricky position. 
um, in Premier League Two. Um, so there is an onus on them to actually win games at the moment um, because obviously you don't want to be relegated from that. So I think that may be part of the reason why um, they want to win these games at the moment to, to ensure that the, the, that the dev squads stay in their in their respective division in the sort of under-23 hierarchy. So, uh, so yeah, it's a shame that we won't see maybe one or two lads feature. But I guess on the flip side, everyone can look forward to, to maybe seeing Kennedy. Again. Really? really? You, he's in my he's, predicted team. I've gone no, for Kennedy. No. <laughs> well, he's I, back in the squad. He's got a squad number. He's in the three squad. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I put you know the you you leapt ahead a bit, which is you're reading my mind because I, I, he did talk about Kennedy. Well, maybe that's a good close to the fact that he might be playing. But I kind of wondered having having. I mean, I didn't see the press today because I was out and about, so I really relied on on your brilliant uh you know blog that you do on it, but. uh I was really intrigued by the the fact that he talked about Kennedy, and I, but I did kind of wonder: is Kennedy really an option? I think he. I think Tuchel said it best in January when he said, talking about left wing back, and he said Kennedy isn't the solution; no, exactly. he is a solution. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the way to look at him. If Malangsar goes down injured, if Marcus Alonso goes down injured, then yeah, maybe we'll see Kennedy. Yeah. But it might take him a bit of time to get match fit. And there is there is the wider discussion point here about Kennedy and whether or not it's a bad sign if you're in the academy and it gives you this suspicion maybe that, yes, Chelsea are still not changing their ways. If you're a Lewis Hall, yeah. you'd like to think that this is your kind of game. Now you're seeing a guy in Kennedy who, I know we can make a bit of a joke, but this is a guy who hasn't played for Chelsea for the best part of four and a bit years. Now he's coming back into the squad, he's usurping you. How does that make you feel as a young player? Do you feel at that point my future is better served away from Chelsea because, you know, I can get minutes? But that's a that's a wider discussion talking point for another day, I suspect. But I do think it has these these decisions do have these ramifications that you have to think of. Yeah, I I think you make an excellent point there. I mean, the only thing I would say is that that Hall is very young. Yeah. I mean, he's sixteen, seventeen, isn't he? So, if he was 20, 18, 19, I would be more worried. But JK, you want to pop him? But it would have been worse to have bought uh, somebody in the transfer window who they then uh, hangs about and they have to get rid of because it, we've we've made a purchase for, of somebody who be, pay large wages to who doesn't actually then uh, play for the rest of the season after, um, uh, well, let's say next season after Chilwell is back. So uh, um, uh, it, it's a moot point, isn't it, really, as to as to what you do. They need the cover. But they might. But as you say, perhaps tomorrow's game would have been perfect for Hall, um, unless the priority is to is to not get relegated. In which case, Kennedy's perfect. I mean, they clearly failed with Emerson, no matter what money they offered. So uh, um, I think we should be pleased that um, uh, uh, another uh, Zappa Costa didn't arrive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mark. Very much Sorry. So. Go on, Adam. Sorry. Go on, Adam. Continue, please. No, I just I agree with JK, absolutely. I mean, a lot of Chelsea supporters, um, you know, again, on social media, seem desperate for some kind of signing, any kind of signing, a new shiny signing, just for the sake of it. Um, have, I did enjoy the fact that throughout January, you know, whenever I came on here, I think I said that Tuchel's pretty relaxed about the situation. And I've said it consistently. I'm not the only Chelsea journalist who have said that. 
yeah, constantly got barraged with the board up backing Tuchel X, yeah, Y, and Z. It, and then Tuchel comes out today and says, I'm pretty satisfied with the window. And still people don't buy it. Yeah. So I don't know what at well, what point people he, do finally give up on this notion. That he also said about the team spirit. He didn't want to, get, to, to bring anybody in the team didn't know. Because it, it got in the way of team spirit. You'd have thought that was a pretty good pretty good sign that he wasn't going to sign anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, ironically, I was going to say the same to Adam. Obviously, uh, all, all the FIFA ones going on since the 1st of January, signed Dembele, signed Declan Rice, signed players I've never even heard of. And actually, the fact that we didn't, but we only actually made one sign, and that was what I was going to say to Adam. Has there been any dialogue uh, mentioned about, um, was it Dylan Williams we got from Derby? Because Rooney, in his presser yesterday, was being critical of Chelsea, saying we've taken advantage of Derby's sort of financial situation. That hasn't cropped up, has it? I mean, Chelsea may have done, but that's not Chelsea's. Look how ultimately, as, as harsh as that may sound, it's not Chelsea's responsibility to bail Derby out of the situation that they're in. Obviously, nobody wants to see a football club go under, but Chelsea are a business and they saw an opportunity and they took that opportunity I don't really think you can be critical of the club for that in truth um, I think Dylan Williams is an interesting signing so I haven't seen loads of him of course but um, you didn't watch but Derby last fit... year then you haven't been watching Derby not religiously no um, <laughs> but he solves a problem position for Chelsea because left wing back slash left back in the academy structure even 18s and 23s has been a bit of an issue haven't had a natural in there for the best part of 18 months so it at least solves that and and I say by all accounts he's very highly rated so we'll see if he ends up being fast-tracked or, or involved in the first team at some point um in the next sort of 18 months to two years mm. um talking of the transfer window I mean I, I I agree broadly with everything that all, all of you have said actually and you know it, it still sticks in my craw massively that the board went on this kind of mad panic buying of very average mediocre players uh, you know, I mean, Danny Drinkwater's been sponging off Chelsea for five years now. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, players like Juan Mata lasted two years or three years. I mean, there was some, I saw some fascinating stat about that on Twitter. You know, and it's insanity. And we can't get rid of these bastards either. You know, that's the trouble. Nobody, no other mug's going to buy them. So the fact that they haven't gone out and panicked and bought mediocre players because that's what was all was available to fill in for for three months, I think is 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 entirely laudable you know and I think a very mature response although I do take your point about Kennedy and, and Hall to a degree but there you go um anyway look talking of the transfer window we, <coughs> we didn't buy anybody other than this Derby youngster but I mean how much of a uh, you know there was a lot of talk about Dembele wasn't there I mean there's a lot of talk about Dembele being a very loose cannon and a very hard player to manage anyway but you know apparently Tuchel had a good relationship with him didn't he so is there any is there any smoke you know no smoke without fire is there any fire here? I mean, there, there's interest on Chelsea's part in the sense of, say, as you say, Tuchel really likes Dembele, worked with him at Dortmund. It's it's the season he sort of had this incredible return and earned his move to Barcelona was, was the season that he worked under Tuchel. So Tuchel's a fan and Chelsea, I think, are looking at it as a potential uh, option because he will be on a free transfer in the summer. That all things being said, his injury record at Barcelona is very concerning. He's on very, very big money at Barcelona, which in itself causes a problem if you bring him in on that money, because why would you be penny-pinching over Rudiger if you then go and give a player with a very uh, questionable injury record 
uh, a bigger contract than, than someone like Rudiger would ask for, and then in turn leads even to more problems down the line. Um, and yes, he's not always been the most sort of dedicated professional, but I guess if you're took, you'd back yourself to be able to, to turn that around because you know him. But from what I gather, there has been some chat between Chelsea and, and his representatives. Um, not Nothing major, just sounding it out a little bit. Um, and we'll see if it actually firms up anything in the, in the weeks ahead. But I don't know. To me, it feels like a risk, but there is a ridiculously talented footballer there if you could make it work. So, Isn't Koundé the, uh, the other one who seems to be more certain? More, more Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea go and they go early for, for Jules Koundé in terms of getting a deal done uh, ahead of the summer because he is a very, very good centre-back. There is interest in him from Real Madrid and... Um, and apparently Liverpool have seen linked as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea try and get that done. Don't know, maybe sort of April time, maybe a bit earlier, just to try and beat off anybody who, who wants to try and get into that race. I mean, they, they've done that before. And, you know, I, it's very difficult for us to know from the outside looking in, isn't it? You know, because Chelsea do keep their good business quite closed behind doors, which I, which I again, approve of. But there you go. Mark, you want to come in? Yeah, just a quickie. Uh, I don't think JK would actually want... Um... This, this particular player from Barcelona, our club, when he finds out the team he supports in the Premier League. <laughs> Dirty Leeds. No. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Does he really? Why would he support Leeds? Well, why indeed? He's a, he's a Dirty Leeds fan. That's bizarre, isn't it? That is very bizarre. Anyway, moving on. Um, well, something that Tuchel said today in the presser, Adam, really made me giggle. Um I mean, I've I've been very naughty and kind of cherry-picked the quote, but he basically said that he wants Argyle to have the worst day of their careers tomorrow. And I thought, yes, that's what I want my manager to be saying. <laughs> this is what we want. I mean, there's more context to it than that, but uh, it's a good attitude, I have to say. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. The, the context was he, he was asked about, it's going to be a nice day out for Plymouth, isn't it? And he was like, well, yes, but I hope we ruin it. Yeah. And we ruin it in a very, in a very harsh way. Um, so look, it's, it's the attitude you'd want. It's the uh, it's the standards he's setting. Of course, he doesn't want any any kind of dip in performance or attitude. So he's making that clear to the players. Like, yeah, I want you to go and kill this lot. Basically, don't take it easy because they're a League One side having a nice time at Stamford Bridge. Go and ruin it. And mm. can't really argue with that uh, that mindset really. Yeah, definitely. JK it, and then Mark. Sorry, go it's on, mate. It's going to be better than Chesterfield then, is it? It's not going to be uh, not playing very well and wandering about a bit and scoring five, <laughs> but uh, only five because they were so poor. Is it that? Because uh, it, it's going to be 10 nil, is it then? I hope so. <laughs> I mean, the, there'll be players there with points to prove ahead of the, the Club World Cup. Of course, the, the, the semi-final is a game that Chelsea should very much win and then, and then you're into a final of a, of a competition and Everyone wants to play in finals. So there will be, uh, uh, I'm sure, players with a point to prove just going into that. Lukaku, possibly. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I know Mark was to come in, but very quickly, Pat Nevin said this earlier this week. And uh, who, am, who are we to, to disagree with the great Pat we, Nevin? Pat. But uh, he said, uh, Hakim Zayech will be desperate to show that his man of the match performance was no flash in the pan. Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, Christian Pulisic, Timo Werner and Callum Hudson-Odoi will all be positively busting to get into the side and in amongst the goals as the battle for those positions heats up. And I think he continues, if I can find it. 
But does this mean he's he's going to play four at the back again then? And well, play I don't that? know. I don't know. Hang on, let me just find the rest. That will be that will be interesting. Uh, let me go. Uh, he he also went on to say many just looked to Romelu Lukaku for the goals, but the performance of those others in terms of creation and scoring is maybe even more important. Add on top of that that we've missed in terms of chances created while Reese James and Ben Chilwell have been unavailable, then all those second strikers will be expected to come up with the goals in this crucial part of the season. I suspect they will be fine, especially after the short break. So, I, you know, Pat Pat says much the same thing there, really. Um, final point to wrap this all up. In, oh, Mark, sorry, I did say, yes, come in, come in, come in, come in. Uh, that's all, all it was is obviously the point Tuchel making about Argyle having their worst day ever, and hopefully it will cheer Jake out no, no end. We've got to do better than their worst day ever last time. We put six past them. Perfect. When was that? When was that? Um, that was the full, the full oh. members' cup was probably their worst day ever in 88, 1988. Yes. Uh, actually, no, we beat them 5 0 in the league and 6 2 in the full members' cup. So five, six, got to be seven tomorrow then. Hey, it must. The full members' cup. Or add, add the five and the six together and make it 11. Yeah, yeah full members' cup. Full members' cup. What? Adam, you don't know anything about the. I wasn't born in 1988. Oh, please, please. We won it. We won it. data systems. We won it. The Simod Cup. Mark, tell him. Tell him. Educate our young young guest. Adam, it was a it was a competition created in in 1985 by the then chairman of Chelsea Football Club and Manchester City, Ken Bates and Peter Swales, for those clubs that weren't playing European football. Uh, And ironically enough, the final in the first year happened to be. The same clubs, Chelsea and Manchester City. Um, so it ran for a number of years. Um, Chelsea won it twice. I think Nottingham Forest won it. Um, and had various sponsors, ZDS, Simod. And the last time we played in it, it was sponsored by Simod. And that was the last time Plymouth played at Stamford Bridge and we beat them 6-2. And there was only 4,500 people there. One, of, one of them one was of, Mark. And one of them was JK. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for that history lesson. I've uh, I feel like I've learned something now. I, I wasn't there, Adam. I was probably drunk in a pub somewhere in '88. That's what I tended to be doing a lot more. Adam, of. Adam did you not know about the five-four against Man City at Wembley? Yeah, I tell you, I wasn't born. I, no, it's impossible. Was no excuse. You, you knew we it won. Wasn't... You knew we won the the league in 1955, didn't you? You knew. That I did. Uh, I did. You knew we'd I won did. the. Uh, the FA Cup in 1970, so you should know we won the full members' cup at Wembley. Okay. Go and, and listen. Go and listen to the 50 Years of Chelsea episode 1985 to 1986. But I, I mean, it, it's honestly that that final, although it was a Mickey Mouse Cup invented by Ken Bates, <laughs> you know, people of my generation, it's one of the best days out we've ever had. I mean, it was nuts as a football match, five four. But to be at Wembley again for the first time since 1972 in a final. And winning something, having not won anything since 1972, it's a silly cup, but we treated it like the World Cup final, I can tell you. And in glorious Chelsea unpredictability, Adam, Chelsea were 5-1 up with about four minutes to go. And it finished 5-4. Sounds like the Youth Cup game, love, last week. Yeah, it was bonkers, mate. Anyway, yeah, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Adam, really just kind of rounding up the news from this week, we didn't, we didn't really, we couldn't talk about it on Monday because we were doing... Uh, you know, the 50 years ting. But obviously Frank Lampard, Super Frank Lampard has now gone to manage Everton. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the best apart from when he's playing Chelsea, obviously, you know. But uh, it'd be nice to see him do okay as a manager. He's got, I think he's got a bit of talent there. Uh, but he's now, he's, apparently he's taken Joe Edwards and Ashley Cole with him. He was after Anthony, uh, what's his name? I've got Barry. Him. Thank Anthony you, Barry. Barry. Anthony Barry. Uh, but Anthony Barry's decided to stay, hasn't he? 
Yes, he has. Yeah. He has. So, but he's taken Joe Edwards and Ashley Cole with him. Ashley's been dealing with the youth, and I think has been getting some rave reviews since he's been uh, doing that job. So, I'm, what I'm really asking you, in a very long-winded way, is: Are Joe Edwards and Ashley Cole a loss to Chelsea? Joe Edwards is the bigger one, I would say, because he's a guy who's been at the club. Uh, he was in the in the youth system himself as a player, um, and then didn't make the cut. Came back in his early 20s and has basically worked his way up all the way through the academy to, to being on the first team staff and being part of the, the first team staff that oversaw a European Cup win. What his role, I think, and it's one I really do think, uh, feel that Chelsea have to um, make sure there is somebody in, is Joe Edwards was a great link between academy and first team. He was the, the guy with the knowledge of, of how the academy operated. He knew the coaches. He knew the guys coming through. And he was the guy where Tuchel could go, right, we need X, Y, and Z positions tomorrow from the academy. Let's get a couple of lads over. Who do you think we could go to? And Joe Edwards would be the guy who would know already who, who would be options for him to call on. So I think it's an important role and someone that Chelsea really do look to replace. Um, and he will be a loss because in, in addition to this sort of being this bridge between academy and first team, he was also an excellent coach. Um, and Ashley Cole has been working with the under-16s, I think, for a while. Um, but he's also been uh, sort of part-time, really, because he's got his England under-21 role, too. So, um, so yeah, he, he he won't be as big a loss. But obviously, having sort of Chelsea people within the club is always nice and um, and important, I think, to keep that that running through the club as well, which it's taken a little bit of a dip because Torrendrift Lowe's left as well this season. Now Ashley Cole's left. So, um, so hopefully there are others that can come in. Although there is Paolo Freire and Carlo Cudicini still around in, in the loans. Sort of Where did Flo role. go? Where did Flo go? He went to Norway, I think it was Norway, to, to manage his first club, I think uh, it was. That he right, Adam, yeah. So, I think his hometown club he's gone back to manage, yeah. Yes, so as a Tour Andre Flo fan, one of my favourite players when I was a kid, uh, I'm sad to see him leave for the second time. But good luck to him. Yeah. Mark? Adam, you should have listened to the show the other night for three and a half hours. It was a Tory I Andrew Flo loving. Yeah, we're massive fans <laughs> of Tory Andrew Flo as well. Uh, I, I, my dad once, my dad yeah, was a producer for BBC London, and he once uh, was uh, got a reporter who was going to interview Gianluca Vialli, and he said I could write a note to Gianluca Vialli, and my note was, Dear Gianluca Vialli, please don't sell Flo. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that was my note. And and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Him. I know. I I didn't. credited myself. You know who for that. did? For Twelve million pounds to Sunderland or no Glasgow Rangers. Yeah. Terrible. Move. Terrible, terrible move. What what I wanted to say, Adam, um, just in Mixler, uh, I know it's on the previous point, but Donald put the point up. We also need to talk about yeah that we are the reigning holders of the Cross Channel Trophy as well. Yeah. That, that, that's another Chelsea trophy. So we played the whole. Oh, Adam. Six. Adam. Yeah, it's all part of our it's all part of our history, Adam. But then on the point of Lampard, no. what I mainly put my hand up was I think if there is a plus factor of Lampard going to Everton, whenever we play them, we won't have Duncan Ferguson as a caretaker <laughs> bloody <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there is always that. There is always that. Uh, we did a whole episode many, many years ago, Adam. I mean, this is when we were still in Partney Station half cut doing the shows, but Chell Tell eulogised about his journey on the cross-channel ferry to go and see Chelsea play Le Havre. It's quite an episode. I, I have no... I, it's lost in the archives, I think, but there you go. Uh, thankfully, Adam, you are not lost in the archives. Uh, it's always an absolute delight to have you on the show, uh, giving us your insight and knowledge, for which we are very grateful. And um, 
I'm not sure when we're seeing you next, but I hope it's very soon. Of weeks, I think I'm back. Um, but no, thank you for having me on as always, guys. And I'll go and brush up on my uh honors board history for Chelsea just so I know what we've won and when. Well, we we discovered something that even JK and I didn't know uh, on Monday, and that is apparently some random bloke has written a book all about the 1999, 2000, and 2001 season, and it was none other than Mark Meehan, and we had no yeah. idea. It's called Blue yeah. Tomorrow, available yeah. from all good bookstores and some rubbish ones too. So you, and I know that's yeah. your favourite season. So, you know, go what and get the book. Name? What? What book is that again? Uh, I think it's called uh, Blue, Blue Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Blue Tomorrow. It was. It was. The, it was the author. I'm not sure. Remind me. Mark Meehan. Uh, you mate. Yeah, that's right. Mark Meehan. Yeah. yeah. What was What was your reason for just picking that out, Mark? Oh, what it was at the time, the, the publishers um, is a, a Manchester pub, publisher called Empire Publications, uh, and they contacted me. You know, so they said um, we wanted you to, to do a book. It's actually on three things. It was called um, Blue Tomorrow, the football, the finance, and the future of Chelsea Football Club. So, although I focused on the ninety nine two thousand season, I also did a bit of history about Chelsea and uh, how we always push the self destruct button. But the chapter most people seem to like is. I did a very sort of granular detail uh, analysis of, of the financial structure of Chelsea Village at that time. Right. So, yeah. Okay. I've already got two copies I have to get for Chidge and JK. I can get one for you, Adam, as well. Get one for me. I'll You're definitely give it a read. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what a lovely self-congratulatory note to end on. I love that. Uh, Adam, as I said, brilliant to see you, mate. Thanks as, as ever for coming on, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, you take care and enjoy the match this weekend. You too, guys. Take care. Brilliant. There you go. Adam Newson from uh, the wonderful London. there with us uh, doing his little kind of, you know, spin on the old news today. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a quick break and then we're, we're going to come back with a kind of, a, well, we do our own preview of the, the Chelsea uh, versus Plymouth Argyle match in the absence of a, a proper opposition view. But there are a couple of things that I noted down for the opposition view that I think we can happily talk about amongst ourselves, which we will do in a minute. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jij? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Chidge, him up there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And him down there, Mr. Mark Meehan. Hello, everybody. Lovely to see you, chaps. I kind of missed... We didn't do it last week, did we? Because there wasn't a game to preview. Did we just have the night off or something? Yeah. Yeah, we did, didn't we? I did I a pre-record, left, didn't I? Went, out, went outside and kicked stones. Oh, and... I'm sorry, JK. And there was I thinking I was doing you all a favour having a night off. You did a My Chelsea, didn't you, last week? Yeah, yeah but I pre-recorded it. I think I, I did... know, that was show that was. Uh... What was Redders? Redders, yeah. They're yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah, it was good fun. I, I need to do a few more of those. They're, they're really enjoyable to do. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, we don't have an opposition for you this week, which is a real shame, but uh, never mind. I did try my hardest, honest. I, I could pretend to be a pirate. Can you speak? Uh, is it Yana? What does Yana mean? Do you know that? Never, never heard Jana? of that. Jana? Is that what they kind of speak down there? Yeah, I mean, it's not kind of really far away from my part of the world, really. There are there are very there are lots of tribes of Chigi down in the southwest, particularly in Somerset. Yeah, is, it, is that where you you um you uh, what's the word um you originate. No, that's a different word, isn't it? Where your kin are from. Well, indeed. I mean, uh, we apparently, it all kind of, we all came from, right, let me try and explain this in a way that's understandable. If you if you know the Somerset levels, right, you know where Glastonbury is? Art. Glastonbury is a tour, right? Or a tour, as we like to say in the fan cast. Any, exactly but you know the levels in somerset there are there are bits of little kind of high ground around there and, and back kind of a long 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 time ago the vill- villagers would would settle on these kind of hills in the middle of the levels and then you know they'd get their little boats out and paddle to the next one and so on and so forth and there's a place in somerset called chedzoy and uh chedzoy in kind of you know you know that um uh kind of anglo-saxon language around that time was was you know basically pilfered from the dutch because there was a lot the angles came over from holland didn't they right and it in fe- affected the language well ched zoy is isle of ched and ched would have been you know the headman of that village and apparently ched zoy over the years you know it gets bastardized into chiji so you know there you go we're all from that part of the world really originally You're the head of the village I have my own island in Somerset, apparently. With your little boat? And I shall go and reclaim it one day. With a little boat. It's the top of a hill then in Somerset. Exactly. But it's the only part of the world where I can go and they can actually pronounce the bloody name properly. So it's quite a delight, really. But anyway. What a weird... It's actually Chidjoy then. No, it's Chidji. Well, it was was Chidzi. It it went from from Chedzoy to Chidzi and all sorts of... And, of course, all the priests in those days... You know, they were the registers of the births and deaths, and they were usually half cut, so they'd spell it wrong. And that's how it ended up as Chigi. 
intriguing. There we go. There's oh, a bit of a... Was, was a priest on the communion wine or something? Oh, they're just all pissed, mate. It was probably cold then. It was probably keeping them warm. I don't know. But anyway, that's the origination of it. According to my grandfather who researched these things. Anyway, what a weird diversion. Um, back to Plymouth. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about, I mean, Mark actually mentioned it, but... I, I'm always intrigued. I mean, I think it's fascinating to play Plymouth Argyle because we haven't played them for so long. You know, I think it was 88, as Mark was saying, the last time we played them. And I think it's always lovely when we play a team that we haven't played for for such a long time. Um, there's some, There are some interesting connections with the past here, aren't they? We've had, I mean, just to list the players, Mark, Anthony Barnes, Brian Basson, uh, Nick Crittenden, David Lee, Scott Sinclair, Arthur Holden and Alan Harris have all played for Plymouth and Chelsea. I remember yeah. watching Alan Harris. I watched him play. He was a decent uh, right back. Ron, Ron's brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Went on to be an assistant coach to Terry Venables at Barcelona, no less. And yes, indeed he did. Um, and was he not involved with um, uh, the Coventry manager as well? He may have been. John Sillett. Yeah. Who played for us in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you, what... Well, wasn't the assistant manager when Coventry won the cup with Sillett? Yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. Or was that George Curtis? I can't remember. I'm mixing them up. Yeah. So there we go. So Scott, Scott Sinclair ended up there then, or did he did he play for them early on? Because he uh, after well, that he was loan, JK. It was one of many loans. Many loans was it? Had. Right, right. He had more loans than the Halifax. And Barnes, he was a decent player. As was Basson, scored a very good goal. He scored goal was six bit six best goal of the season, wasn't it, Basson? And, and he's 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 actually. At this present moment in time, Brian Basson is on a plane from France, flying over with his son for tomorrow's game. And he's in the oh. foundation box tomorrow as a special guest of Chelsea. So fair play to Chelsea. Yeah, you know, they've, they've clearly researched our history and remembered that Brian played for both clubs. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, you know, Mark, in our, in our search for a, a Plymouth fan, a pilgrim, in fact, as they are called, um, Mark put a message, uh, got a mate of his to, uh, to put a message um on one of their you know their plymouth chat rooms and i found i found a lot of this a lot of really good information on there but that's i, I found the fact that the, these play, chelsea players have played for plymouth from them actually so i thought that that was really interesting a couple of stories really interested me about plymouth as well and actually this is from uh rick rick's piece you know his uh pre-match briefing um this is actually outrageous you know everybody will remember that mad advert with paul whitehouse green army you know, you know, I think it was an ad for uh, Aviva. Listen to this. This is people. I mean, because we often moan on the Supporters Trust about how awful kickoff times are, particularly if you've got a long way to go. And how come we always end up playing Newcastle on a Monday night? That kind of saga. This is nothing compared to what your average Green Army fan has to do, right? That the West Devon Club have, on average, a 413-mile round trip to opposition stadiums across the top four divisions whereas Chelsea's mean away journey distance is 225. Uh, their players and fans have further to travel over a season than any other English league club. As the crow flies, their 23 away league commitments alone take in 9,925 miles. That's the equivalent of travelling from Plymouth to Pakistan and back. I mean, that's just... I mean, it's put, it's put some of our woes in perspective, Mark, hasn't it? Oh, it does. But if, even if you look at League One, I think their nearest game is Oxford United or Burton Albion. Yeah, that's the nearest game to it. And some of the trips they've got to do this year, they've got to they've got to go up to Sunderland. You know, they've got to go up to Wigan. Yeah, 
you know, they've got to go up to Accrington, you know, they've got to go over to Lincoln, up to Fleetwood, up to Morecambe, up to they've got they've got some serious miles on the clock to fair play to them. Yeah. And they and they sold out our game, I think, within a couple of hours. Yeah, and they actually were complaining on one of their websites that we didn't give them enough tickets. Wow! Yeah. Well, they got they got the it's whole of the bloody sh- they got the whole of the shed in. What more do they want? Oh, I know, but you know, they they wanted more than six thousand. You know, they this is a massive game. Yeah. Do you think it's it's got to be their biggest game? I mean, you could. I mean, I hate to be patronising, but thankfully there's no one here to be patronising too. But this has got to be their biggest game ever, hasn't it? Well, their biggest game since they last played us in the Simod Cup in nineteen eighty-eight, of course. Yeah, but we weren't European champions then. I know, I know. Didn't they play Santos once, or was that Exeter? Oh, I when Pele played for them, I think they might have done. You know. Anyway, we digress. There's Where did another... you dredge that from, Chich? My my that... my brain. Just suddenly. You know, you know me. I can't, as you well know, having done the fifty years shows with me forever now. I, I can't remember what happened last week, let alone 50, 30, 40, 20 years ago. But what I do have is this weird random shit that pr- proliferates in my brain. Yes. Oh, we, all, we, have all, we all got that random shit, Chidge. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm good at quiz, quizzes, because I, I just know weird shit. But I can't remember, you know, important stuff like you can, Mark, and JK can, you know. But there I we suppose go. that pearl of wisdom, though, fell into place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but if you're on here... This would probably be their biggest game since they got to, was it was it 84 FA Cup final when Watford beat them at Villa Park? They didn't, quarter final, wasn't it? No, semi. Semi? Oh, they got to the semi. Got yeah. The semi, yeah. Everton won the cup. Watford beat them in the semi final at Villa Park. You could argue that that was. Now, there was something else that caught my eye here, not least because, um, well, I'll tell you in a minute, actually, but basically the Plymouth Argyle fans are, or supporters, should I say, are currently campaigning for a statue to commemorate their first black player, a certain Jack Leslie, who was very good, apparently, but he was denied uh, the opportunity or the chance to be the first black uh, England player or to win an England cap. Uh, And that was in 1925. And it was basically because he was black. Uh, And quite rightly, they're putting a statue up to him. Um, The interesting thing is, I mean, I I saw a brilliant article on this, courtesy of the Supporters Trust. We have a a, a kind of like a Slack group, which we all kind of communicate with each other on. It was a brilliant article. And actually, we've we've donated 100 quid to the statue, haven't we, Mark? We have indeed, yeah. And I think think there was a very good article posted on the Supporters Trust website on this very thing. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm really very proud of the fact we've done that. Yeah, yeah, isn't it brilliant? And what an awful story. I mean, he would have been the first black English player... Uh, to, a black player to play for England, get it right. Um, and it's quite significant because that was in the 1920s. Yeah. And you had to wait 50 years later before um, Viv Anderson. Well, yeah, but there was another guy, wasn't there? I remember hearing a radio documentary about this. There was a guy in the 60s, early 70s who should have played but didn't. Well, the, same... the, the, actual, the actual first black player to play for England actually played for England schoolboys. Yeah, because... that's the one. Yeah. I can't remember his name. And I, um, Earlier in the season, Pat Nevin, I don't know if I mentioned on a previous show, Pat Nevin, with his book out, did a book reading session at the Queen's Park Book Fair in Northwest London. And this guy was there. He did a double act with Ricky Hill because Ricky Hill had a book out. And Ricky Hill talked about his experience. And this guy, um, and he played for England schoolboys. It wasn't Brian Steen, was it? Was it no. Brian no, no, Steen? No, no, no. He, he was the first black player to play. You know, representative you know, football for England. Representative oh, I see. Right, right, right. And he was actually in the audience. And it was like a real amazing moment. You know, when I think... Um, 
and Ricky Hill was talking about the significance of it, and and he, he was there, yeah, and, and I think he lived in Brent, if I remember rightly. I think he, yeah, he was a Brent schoolboy. I'll, I'll try and search for him, try and remember his name. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, anyway, you'll be amazed and surprised to know that uh, my weird random bit of knowledge that Plymouth played Santos with, including Pele, is true according to M Brooks on Mixler, who's clearly got his Google or her Google working very well. Plymouth versus yeah. Santos played in 1973. So there you go. With with Pele Pele playing with Pele them. playing for them, yeah, and, and the first black player to represent England was Benjamin Adoje. Right. Okay. When was that? Uh, hang on. I diddly dee an actor's life for me. Just shout out when you got it, Mark. You don't. Yeah. Right. So. Enough, 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 enough. I mean, what else can we say about about uh, about Plymouth, really? Um, without getting into the, the nuts and bolts of it, which is, you know, really what we're here to do. Um, is that the, the mouth of the plim or the mouth of the ply? Uh, isn't it? Isn't it the Tamar? That should they should be called Tamar mouth then? Yeah, but they're not. They're called ply mouth. Tamar Marathigal. Oh yeah, nineteen seventy one. Nineteen seventy one. There you are. Okay, right. First up. Before we get into uh, what Plymouth are like, because I mean, it's, it's it's this is the other intriguing thing, isn't it? Because we don't really know how they play. There's no form to speak of, is there? But what we do know uh, is that Chelsea have got to pick a team, and that I think could probably be the hardest thing. And I'm, I mean, my my selection, J.K., is already wrong, according to Adam, because I've gone, I've, well, I've gone, I've gone for, I've gone for, well, I've gone for Bettinelli in goal. Yeah, the rumours were that he might might start. I've gone for uh, well, I went for Hall as the, and I've gone for a three-four, two-one. By the way, but um, I went for Hall as the as the centre left back, left centre back, should I say? Chaloba yeah. in the middle and Saar on the right. I suspect well, Hall's not playing, but I I, don't, I think Rudiger's going to get a rest. I just really think that. So I think it might end up being Saar, Christensen, Chaloba as the back three. Hang on a minute, Mark. Uh, then. The uh, the wing backs Hudson Odoi and Aspilicueta, midfield Kovacic, Saul, and then uh, the two behind the striker Werner and Ziyech, and then Havertz up front. That's what I reckon it'll be, but we know that it won't be Hall. So I'd, I'd go, I'd rather go Saar, Christensen, Chaloba as the back three in that case. And so Chaloba's okay. Was said in the press. Yeah, was he, yeah. He didn't and, and they're both there. fit. They're both fit. Christensen and Chaloba. I reckon you're right there, Chidge. I think he'll play that setup. I think he'll play um, Kovacic and Saul, and um, but I think up front he'll play Lukaku, and I think he'll play with Zayek in that um, uh, slightly withdrawn position that he was on the wing. So he'll play both wingers really wide and see if he can duplicate the success of against the Spuds game. Um, I don't think he'll play Werner. I think um be interesting to see if Pulisic, having scored for, for the USA, gets uh, you know, would be um would be the man to play with his element of form discovered uh, or confidence. But um He, he didn't uh, even he, train because he's come come back from international duty. So him and Silver won't be playing. They won't be playing. No. Okay. Well in which case, um but I if if he plays Zayek, I think he'll play Lukaku. Mm. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh Probably a variation of both of yours. That the team I put very similar to yours, but a few changes. I think it's four three three. I've got Bettinelli in goal. I've got Saar. Uh, 
I was seduced by that photo of Rudiger sort of like training. So I put um, Rudiger playing with Chalabar. As I said earlier, I've gone for Kennedy on the left. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Kovacic and Saul in, in midfield. And I've gone for Callum hudson Adoy on the right side. I agree with JK. I think Lukaku will play. I think Zayic will play. But I've gone for Werner purely and simply... Um, the, the other option would have been Pulisic, and I think he's still def- defrosting from Minnesota. So I put Werner in the side, mm. and it, it could it could well it could well pan out like that. Of course, the be- the question that it begs for me, I mean, I actually put him in. I put Havertz in, but you know, when was the last time that Havertz played for us? When was the last time he started for us? Yes, he, he he's been pushed into the uh, um, into the wings a bit, hasn't he? Yeah. And not even on the on the wing. He's yeah. been side i suppose because they're trying to make it work with lukaku i think he's been the unfortunate recipient of the uh of the lukaku flack which is a dreadful thing to admit but um i, th- I think he's suffered accordingly while they try and work out a, a means of making lukaku work i mean this should be the environment as it was with chesterfield where lukaku um smashes four or five for the 97 million player he is but um uh, if he just scores the tap in as he did against Chesterfield and miss and gets bullied by their centre half, I will be very disappointed. Well, so would I, and I mean, he, I don't think he was hugely impressive against uh, Chesterfield at all, really. And I still don't think he's really, you know, kind of hit the hit the heights that we expect. I'm just looking for Miss Stick says that uh, um, the last time we saw Havertz was when he broke his finger against Spurs, and I'm presuming that that was um, in one of the cup matches. He wasn't even on the bench against Brighton. But didn't we say on a previous show, the last game he actually started was the win over Leeds? He was on the bench for Tottenham. He didn't come on. Uh, He wasn't even on the bench against um, Brighton, from what I can read. I've got the wrong glasses on for this, but whatever. Uh, City, hang on. City, he was on the bench for City and he didn't come on. Uh, Spurs away in the Caribou. Uh, again, he didn't come on, but he wasn't. He was on the bench. Uh, Chesterfield. He, right, he, he came on at the second half against Chesterfield. So that's the last time he got a half, but he didn't start. Didn't he play against Brighton? He, no. He came on late. No, 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 no. Uh, really? Not according. Not according. Not, right. The last time he got a start, sticks kind of right, I think. Uh, yeah, he is right. It was the two 0 against Spurs. He started, came off in the, uh, you know, came, came off at half time, and that's when he broke his finger. So that was what fifth of January. So he hasn't played for him, you know, hasn't got a start for a month, and it does. I think it is begging a few questions. And I'm I'm a big Havertz fan, so I'm not massively chuffed about this. But hey, I'm not the manager, so what do I know? Um, talking of Plymouth and the way they set up, I mean, Rick was as always very informative on this. Apparently, they play three five two. Um, and they, they're, you know, they're, they're quite a consistent and cohesive and youthful outfit. Uh, they've got the sixth best defence in League One, although they've conceded 10 times in four games this month. So that's all gone a bit pear-shaped. They've got a new manager, this guy called Steve Schumacher, who was their assistant manager before their previous manager, Ryan Lowe, left to take over Preston North End. Um, anyway, going back to stats type stuff, they're the, the, they're the League One sixth most potent attack, but they're energetic, short-passing, Playing out from the back uh, with middle centre back Dan Scar. It's a good name for a middle centre back, isn't it? Dan Scar. Didn't Chesterfield have a Dan at the back as they, well? Yeah, he was a bit of a monster, wasn't he? He, he was basically. Mad, was mad Dan or something, Matt, wasn't he? Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, yeah, something they like some, that. They had, they had someone mad at the back. They did. Well, he was the one that basically took care of Lukaku rather effectively. Um, yeah, anyway, Dan Scar's the organiser of a three-man defence operating an offside trap, so may, maybe not play Werner tomorrow. Um, <laughs> they've got an international player. I mean, they've the uh, Zimbabwean defender Brennan Galloway's uh, out at the moment, uh, but they've got this uh, Guinea-Bissau bloke, Panuche Kamara, who's um, got, I think he's probably statistically their best player. I mean, you know, he's got more assists and goals than everybody else. Um, there's something else that I found earlier which really intrigued me about this lot. Here we go. Uh, yeah, their forwards tend not to press opposition defences and much of their approach play involves the wide men latching onto a ball played behind a fullback and cutting it back for a finish. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because... If they don't press, if their forwards don't press our defence, our defence are going to have complete control. And given that actually that's how we like to build up the play, albeit far too often too slowly, I mean, they're going to cede a huge amount of possession to us. Although on the other side, they do like to counter-attack. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see who we've got as wing-backs because that could be exploited, you would say. But I have to say, JK, I'm royally encouraged by their dislike of the press because of course we, we've seen Chelsea struggle against anybody who's bothered to press us energetically haven't we other than in uh, yes in every single time yes that's always the case so the, it, this could be very like Brentford in the Carabao Cup who just had two very swift players and they just booted the ball up the pitch and they ran after it in fact lots of teams we've played um, who don't press us that's the only other way they're going to play aren't they so you'll need uh, Chalabar and Saar um, to be uh, to be at their sprintingest best, which they're very good at. So um, the other person who's very good at that is Christensen, so perhaps he might figure. Do we know anything about the Christensen saga? Has that evolved, or is it? are we thinking the worst that he's on his bike? I've read more and more, more and more pessimistic reports that he's signed a pre with um, Barcelona and that he's intrigued. He just wants to have a different experience of playing in a different league and a different culture, which, you know, you can't criticize him for comes to the end of his uh, so it's not a money thing at all mm-hmm. um which he just wanted to you know play in spain so uh that would make sense for getting center halves to play for us but um uh everybody we've got is is quick enough to deal with the ball bashed up down the pitch i mean every single one of one of our defenders is even dave is that's one of his strengths is great pace getting back for the ball so I don't think they're likely to do well if that's their only tactic against us in which case we'll have unbelievable possession and uh, one hopes the ball will then be threaded through to the uh, to the uh, the Belgian um, skydiver now what do we call him the Belgian what do I call it the Belgian Belgian waffle <laughs> that's it yeah Matt, yeah yeah Matt, man in man in in deep sea diving suit yeah well i can't remember what i called him anyway yeah yeah mark um the guy obviously i was in touch with yesterday trying to get a plymouth fan on he went to the doncaster game last week and i think what he said um was they were really poor last week in the first half against doncaster and if they start the same way how they start to get doncaster we'll get you know, he said, we'll get beat 5-0, Mark. Uh, but they ended up winning the game 3-1. And he said, if they play like they did in the second half uh, against Doncaster, they'll actually give us a game. But he was still going for like a 3-1 win for Chelsea. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, they clearly can play football and they clearly like to play football. And, yeah. you know, I, I have to be honest, I often think that that suits us because we're we're good enough to keep possession and pick, you know, pull teams apart when they try. If then, you know, if they're not as good as us, which these players will not be as good as our players, then providing we're at it, you know, we're going to have possession and we will pick them apart if they try and have a go at us. But on the other hand, we have seen us wobble occasionally when we lose a bit of focus and concentration. And I mean, they, they clearly attack with wing-backs. I mean, the interesting thing is uh, their wing-backs are Connor Grant and Joe Edwards. Now, Joe, I, uh, there's another lad too that I saw he used to play for... He was uh, he was at Cobham, wasn't he? Jordan Houghton. That's the one. Yeah. So they've that, and they've got just signed right wing back Steve Sessignon, who's the brother of Ryan Sessignon from Fulham, and he's not cup tied, so he could play tomorrow. But they do like to get down the wings and ping crosses in, uh, with with you know they've got two up, they play with two up front. So, you know, I mean, it it brings up lots of intriguing things. And as I said, you know, always with me, J.K. is that, but I, I I'm traumatized by that by that. Bradford defeat. By Bradford, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they Absolutely. played like that, didn't they? They came out did, in that second half with with freedom, and they just played football, and they just went for us. And they, did, they... didn't didn't Maratta miss a hatful? Oh, if well, I remember right no there. doubt, no doubt. We were, yeah. we were we were profligate that day, but they just they just blitzed us. They just thought, okay, you know, let's shit or bust this match. You know, we could get humped six 0 but let's give it a go. And they attacked us with abandon, and and we didn't know what to do. It was a bit like the West Bromwich game, wasn't it, when Tuchel first arrived, where, um, he, according to the stats, we should have won, but they just scored worldies. So uh, looking forward to them possibly scoring worldies. I think that bloke who scored for West Bromwich, that wonderful volley, never scored again for the rest of the season. Martin, he plays for Ireland, doesn't he? And Martin yeah, said he won't yeah. score another goal all season. And he I was think right. he was right, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, the other thing I would say, I mean, you know, Mark, Mark mentioned this earlier, you know, we... we We've had a bit of history uh, with Plymouth. I mean, their last matches, sorry, before I get into that, they beat Doncaster, as uh, JK said, 3-1. They drew against Fleetwood, 3-all. And they lost at home to Lincoln, 2-1. Sheffield Wednesday, 4-2 away. Uh, And they beat Birmingham, who are in the championship, um, on penalties in the last round of the FA Cup. But um, our our history does go back a long way with them. Our first match against them was, funnily enough, in the FA Cup uh, in 1921. Um... But we've we've you know we've won nine, drawn six, and lost two. The two we've lost once in '63. J.K. probably didn't travel uh, down to that. He probably might have seen the home leg. Uh, we played them in '62 60- during the Great Freeze, wasn't it? '62, January '62. Yeah. We played them at the Bridge. Drew, uh, sorry, oh, we, '62 year before. Okay, we, we drew one all. Okay, you would have been there, probably. No, not no. I was, I was eight, so all I right. don't know whether my. Dad, my dad may have gone. It depends. Yeah. Well, we we lost the return fixture in the league league two uh, two one that season, uh, and uh, we had that spell mark much beloved by you and many of my chums when we were the boys in blue in Division two, and sadly we were there for far too long. Um, but we played them in seventy five and seventy six in Division two and seventy six and seventy seven. Uh, we drew at home to all. We won away three nil. We won away 3-2 and we drew at home 2-all. Um, and then in 79, we played them in the League Cup. We drew 2-all. We lost in the League Cup in 79. That would have been the return leg, 2-1. Uh, one, uh, one. And then, as Mark was saying earlier, we stuffed them in the uh, League Division 2 in 88, 5-0, and 6-2 uh, in the Simod Cup. And then lastly, in Division 2, we beat them 1-0 in 89 in the return of that. Mark, were you at any of those 70s matches? I was at some of them, uh, and the significance of the 75-6 game 
Obviously, we drew 2-2 uh, with Plymouth. It's the best goal Ray Wilkins ever scored for Chelsea, in the late man's own words. Um, we, we, we were 2-0 we were up against Plymouth, and Paul Mariner got two late goals back for them. But Ray runs the length of the pitch and gets a diving header. You know, Ray Wilkins. Oh, I remember it. A diving header. I remember it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then we played in the following season. Um, JK talked about the big freeze. In 76-77, we just had the mud bath. You know, we, we had a load of games in succession from losing to Southampton in the FA Cup 3-0. Uh, and we had a run of home games where we seemed to draw every single week. We drew with Orient, we drew at Millwall, we drew with Plymouth. And then when the pitch dried out, it was just like a sand pit. And then we drew at Blackpool. And then it was a real risk that we weren't going to promote because I think we drew about four games in a row. Uh, and then I think the next time I remember Plymouth um, was the last days of Pompeii for Danny Blanchflower. And in the beginning of the 79-80 season, we'd been relegated the year before and we'd done the hard part and we'd gone down to Plymouth and got a two-all draw and, and back at the bridge, so it was like a shoe-in, two-all, yeah, and we got knocked out by Plymouth. Yeah, Mickey Joy got a late goal for us. And a few days later, we subsequently lost to Birmingham in the league and then Blanche Flower was on his toes. Um, then obviously there's the um, the Simod Cup game and the league game we mentioned. I think the league game was the 5-0 I think that was the first game when the, the whole ground of the shed reopened um, because at the start of the season, we had that terrace ban and everyone had <laughs> yeah. to sit in the seats after the Middlesbrough debacle. Yeah. Um, so we beat them 5-0. Uh, and then um, the last time we played them was February 89. A good friend of mine, Liam Moore, and a pair of us went down on the Rattler to Plymouth looking at our wonderful star striker, Dave Mitchell. But obviously, Kerry came up trumps with the only goal that day. A bit lively down at Home Park, so... Adam was right, yeah. A game down there would have been interesting. But here's a bit of trivia for people listening. <laughs> last, last weekend, and if, if you follow Mr. Kelvin Barker on Twitter... Assiduously. Uh, yep. So we, we met up at Stamford Bridge like because we had no game. Uh, we had a bit of a catch-up. Um, and Kelvin posted a picture about 740 years Chelsea watching experience between us. But, yeah, we met a player... In Frankie's, who played and made his debut for Plymouth Argyle in the Simwood Cup game when we won 6-2. He was actually in Frankie's last Saturday. Coincidentally? Coincidentally. Oh, wow. We had no knowledge of him being there and he came over and said hello. Stars were aligned. Who was he? There's one for you. Get your brain juices going. I, I, okay, I, I, I kind of vaguely remember when you said it, but I, I can't, I'm not going to guess, so just tell us. I will give you a clue. His dad was also a Chelsea manager at one point. Ah. That's a good one. Simon Drake. No. Billy Greenwood. No. He never managed Chelsea. What am I talking about? Was, um, it, was it a Gould? No. Was it a Doherty? No. That's right. You're running through the managers. You, you do, you're doing okay. <laughs> was it a Blanche Flower? It wasn't a Blanche Flower. This is the 80s, remember? So fast forward. It's not John John Hollins? No. No. Bobby Campbell? Well done. So it was a, a Campbell proge Greg. progeny. Greg Campbell. Greg, right. Greg, was in, Greg was in Frankie's last Saturday afternoon. Uh, just, yeah, just sheer by chance. Uh, and he came over and said, said hello. So... We had a little debate about a player he recommended to his dad at the time to sign for Chelsea. How bizarre. Before said David Bloody Mitchell. No way, no way. That's brilliant. Great knowledge, mate. I love that. 
Um, you mentioned a minute ago, and I mean, this is the thing. I, one thing I, I I knew as well from you know slight experience. I was I might, might have been me to one of those matches in the eighties actually, but, but yeah, and I I got to know a, a Plymouth fan. Uh, he was on his honeymoon in the Caribbean. I think he was a lovely bloke. Really liked him a lot, and we 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 bonded over a mutual love of football and and a respect really, but. You know, he was a bit naughty, I think, back in the day. And you're right. You know, the the Plymouth have got a rather tasty bunch of fans. It could be a bit lively on Saturday, Mark. What do you reckon? Well, you never know. There's 6,000 of them. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit lively back in the day, but then it was a bit lively everywhere, really, wasn't it, to be honest? Yeah. It was It was always like... I only went to um, Plymouth once for a away game, you know, and I think it was more livelier in sort of like the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Mm. Well, we shall see, won't we? Um. I think the really, you know, the, the oh, well, there was one thing I did want to mention actually, which we we kind of skipped by earlier on. Um, if you think about it, before we had the break, the whole narrative from the club, particularly Tuchel, was about how knackered the players were, how unfair it was that we're having to play so many games, how we've been, how how the key injuries have been compounded by injuries suffered through COVID, coming back from COVID, and uh, you know, soft tissue stuff because they're playing too much and all of that. They've just had a week off, haven't they? Or maybe even two weeks off. Was it one week or two, JK? Um, Spurs game was two weeks ago, yeah, wasn't it? they've had two weeks off. Surely, yeah. surely that will have done them the power of good, one would hope. Do you think? Yeah. If you think about it, they even had two days off before our last game and it seemed to make a, a remarkable difference. So they've all been posted on social media where they've gone in the world for their break. So... Um, Rudiger's done his charitable work, fair play to him in Sierra Leone. Mason Mount's been in Florida. Um, Werner and Havertz have been in the desert somewhere with their partners. So they should all be re- rested and raring to go. And that bodes well, that two-week break. And I think we said it on a previous show, going into the friendly, that is the World Club Championship. So chance to have a bit of a rest there as well. Um, so for the latter part of the season, this bodes really well. And we'll hopefully have some of our you know injured players back as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, by go on, JK. You could say something. Just said, uh, Plymouth have actually played two games, haven't they? In, in the last the, ten days, I think. Last ten days, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not. Can I just the... say, by the way, I've always loved the green of have Plymouth Argyle. Yeah. Of, yeah. In the same way, I don't understand why Yeovil, who aren't that far away, they've got green as well in their colours. I've always liked that. Because they're in the countryside. That's what I thought I was going to say. Was that the reason? They should all was be that... green and brown, really, shouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're, you're yeah, straining to territory now if you've been watching the early episodes of The Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, on, on JK's very salient point, uh, I thought this was fascinating, actually, because, you know, all the moaning that we've been doing about being knackered and playing too much. Um, we've played... Thir- this, this will be our 38th game of the season. Um, it'll be Plymouth's 35th game of the season. Uh, and it would have been 37 had two not been postponed. So... With far smaller resources than ours, they they've all, you know played almost as many games as we have in a season where we've never seen us play so many games. So um, I would imagine that might have taken its toll on them. Possibly, I don't know. What do you reckon? One would hope so. One would hope so. Wouldn't one? Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, on that on that very point, J.K., um, how do you see it going tomorrow, and what you're going what you're going to predict for us? Oh, I just want us to take them to the cleaners, Chidge. You know, I want this to be. You know, four nil by half time, then he can bring the reserves on or not. Um, uh, yeah, can we just so we then dispel any 
Bradford possibilities, you know, put the game to bed. We were 2 0 up at half time again. I know we were. I know, I know. That's what I mean. Just, just, you know, get it out of the way and uh, preferably allow Lukaku. Well, Lukaku has to have the right attitude, doesn't he, to score. And Lukaku has to boss the centre half, for goodness sake, and, uh, and not pass when he should be shooting and to be accurate and do what that those £97 million boots are supposed to do, which is to get the ball in the net ASAP. Um, but, um, yeah, we should win about 6-0. Yeah, you going for that, 6-0? Yep. OK. Mark? Uh, I'm going to go for 3-0. Uh, and I'd like to think uh, it'll be a Lukaku hat-trick. <laughs> I'd like to think it'll be a Lukaku hat-trick, but it probably won't be. Uh, just looking in, sort of like Mixler, um, just... Nathan from Chelsea Groves has reminded me, I'm actually going to be seeing Yeovil, as you've mentioned them, on Tuesday night. So hopefully they will be playing green because they're, they're down at Wheelstone on Tuesday. So yeah. Green and white stripes, don't they? One... In the space of a couple of days. My Sabutio team was green and white and I had a Plymouth Sabutio team as well because I like the green. So, I, And I do hope they play in green tomorrow as well. They don't put yeah. their away kit. No, me, oh, but that's the trouble. You really do hope because it's not going to clash, is it? And then at least it, it's... Fair for the, They're uh, playing in all white tomorrow. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh. A boyhood dream smashed. Yeah, I know. There you go. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're not going to be mugs, are they? I mean, they're League One. They're not like Chesterfield, who are non-league. Uh, and I think the thing that we've... I mean, I, I mean, we didn't mention this a minute ago, but I, I, do, I do see this as quite an interesting trend, actually. Um... You know, when we were kids, a lot of these teams, they would just either part the bus or kick lumps out of you. They all, they all, I mean, they're playing 3-5-2. They've got a really good formation, a really good system. They've got a lot of young players. Uh, they all like to play football, these lower league teams these days. They're not all cloggers like they used to be. Um, as I said earlier on, I think that might play into our hands, actually. But we can't take them lightly. What I hope tomorrow is that we, you know, we play like we are the champions of Europe and we don't get, you know... Eye off the ball, focus lost, lack of concentration, bit of complacency. I don't think that'll happen with this Chelsea side. Tuchel is far too smart, but he needs to be getting into them and explaining that as well. Um, and I think that's. I hope that that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to go four one. Actually, um, I don't know much about Bettinelli, J.K. I mean, he played against Chesterfield, but he didn't really have anything to do, did he? I suspect he won't have much to do either. Um, are we sure that he's going to give him a run? No, no, but might. the rumours are that he might. He might, OK. Uh, we okay. can't, as we, as we said last time, you know, we, you know, with Mendy away at AFCON and obviously you're going at the World Club Championship friendly, um, I think Keppel will be rested. Yeah, So Bettinelli, I think, will definitely start tomorrow. Yeah, yeah it would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, look, the other point about this, without sounding too arrogant and above or ahead of ourselves, in a way... Uh, this match is a perfect warm-up for the uh, FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, we got we've got our semi-final on Wednesday. We don't know who, against whom yet because that they play this weekend, I think. Um, but I think apart, apart from Palmeiras, should we meet Palmeiras, who will be a decent team? You know, if they if they play well in Brazil, then they'll be decent. The others aren't. They're probably this kind of level. So it'd be a really good warm-up. Uh, you know, for that kind of competition, I think. But we can't take it lightly. And I think, as JK said, we've got to get, you know, get it done early. Don't faff about. No, none of this being profligate. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see some bloody clinical finishing, not not least from the, the Belgian waffle, but uh, also from some of the support players, you know, the other, you know, the other so-called attacking players 
You know, I don't want to see them missing swathes of chances again. But we shall see, won't we, boys? No, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think it'll be JK 6-0 score because I, I do think that Plymouth, you know, they are a better side than Chesterfield. But I think the important thing is to get the job done by half-time. Mm. Yeah, they, they, they will play the right way. You're right. That probably works to our advantage. But the other important thing as well is the FA Cup fourth round. Getting into that fifth round draw is really important. And again, if you look at the other ties this weekend and look what happened in the third round, Forrest put an Arsenal out, team fallen by the wayside. Once you get into the last 16, and I think there's three or four Premier League sides you're playing each other this weekend, so more Premier League teams drop out. You get into the last 16 and say out of that last 16, only 10 of them are Premier League clubs. You're, you're narrowing down, you know, and there's a chance then in the next round, you might still pull a, um, a team either at home or away that's a championship or a first division side. I don't think anyone will complain about that because actually, you know what? I want to get through the sixth round. I want to get through the semi-final and I want to win the bloody thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, well I mean, as I've said before, I'm always happy if we if we draw somebody not very good at home. You know, I just like that. I just, you know. Yeah. Well, the you... pressure is taken off. The child in me is, has always been the case since I was little, and I haven't changed my view. Well, you like to win, mate. Hey, I know. I love Come on. I mean, I, I agree with you, but the number of times I've seen Chelsea screw up against lower league opposition, that you know, I, I've always had this. I mean, it's probably different now because we are so damn good, but, yeah. you know, there was always a suspicion I had even until, well, actually really until, until Roman turned up, that Chelsea did much better in cups when they played decent opposition because they would raise their game. And then when they played shit opposition, they would lower their game. Oops. You know, so... Anyway, I don't, I don't see that happening tomorrow, I'll, I'll be honest with you. But I think the other consoling thing and other kind of random stat is that Tuchel has made the final of every cup competition that Chelsea have been involved in since he was manager. You know, FA Cup, Champions League, uh, League Cup final now. I mean, I wouldn't include the Super Cup, but you could, you could include that if you like. Uh, and you know what? If he entered the Cross Channel Trophy or the Simod Cup, he'd get to the final of that. As I well. reckon he would too, mate. What a fabulous way to end it on! Um, lovely to see you both, as always. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun tomorrow. I can't wait. Um, now, anyway, J.K. and I will be back on Monday, of course, for the main Chelsea Fancast show. And this is lovely. You know, J.K., I'm really looking forward to Monday already because because you know who we've got on on Monday? Clayton's back. Clayton's back. Clayton's back. Clayton's back is back. Yeah, he's back literally. Yeah. So Clayton Beerman's back and Marco Worrell. That's a stellar lineup, isn't it? I'll have to listen in. Yeah. Well, you should do that. Everybody should listen in, really. Yeah. So me, J.K., Clayton Beerman, and Mark Worrell. Seven o'clock Monday. We'll be looking back at the match against Plymouth Argyle, and of course, we'll be looking ahead to the FIFA Club World Cup semi-final by Monday night. We'll know whom we are playing. Uh, but that's all from us tonight. Really enjoyed it as always. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it Chelsea. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? 
at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.